Good morning, and thank you for tuning in to Driven to the Cross, a radio broadcast as part of Christ's Covenant Church here in McAllen, Texas. I'm Dr. Alfred Fisher, and I am so blessed this day that you have chosen to tune in to our radio station. I want to just take a moment and uh, pray, if you don't mind, before we begin. Our Father who art in heaven, Almighty God, we come before you right now thanking you for the very provisions you have provided, thanking you for your sovereignty, thanking you, O oh God, that you have not forsaken us. We see the changes that are taking place in our land, and we know, Lord, that we don't understand them. We don't understand all the inner workings and the political motives of people. But Lord, right now, I pray for unity in the body of Christ, strengthening in your bride, strengthening, O oh Christ, of your people, that we would truly call upon you, worship you, praise you, be motivated in our work and service of you. Lord, we desire to build and serve and to be a holy people called out as your word says, a peculiar people, and to give you glory in all things. Lord, we pray for those who have been affected by this COVID uh, pandemic that has afflicted our land, people who have lost loved ones. They've had no opportunities to be able to go and grieve in many cases. And Lord, I just pray that you would comfort them. We thank you that we have the privilege of reading your holy word, of attending church, praying, serving, and meeting the needs of those around us. Lord, I just ask that our prayers would not be ritualistic, but that we would truly come to the throne room of grace and tarry at your mercy seat, O God that we would be prayed up and be those faithful servants, even in the small things. Lord, I pray that people would see you before they see us. I ask that as we move forward in our walk, in our daily lives, O oh God, that we would not have you as an afterthought, but that you would be at the very forefront of our minds, and I ask that you would forgive our land and forgive us, O oh God, for failing you in so many ways, for not being those Bereans, studying to show ourselves approved. Help us to know you more, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are going to continue our series on the Trinity. In that series on the Trinity, I'm attempting to display the Father right now in the Old Testament. After all, isn't that how our Lord and Savior addressed him? As Father. And that should be a comforting thought to us. You know, if we look in the Greek, when Jesus said Father, a more accurate term would be Abba, which we would translate in English as daddy. It's very intimate, very personal, very caring. But we must not ever mistake something, dear friends, and that is that a father 
is just some teddy bear or someone to give you what you want. But a father has to lead by example, has to teach right from wrong, has to train the child, equip that child so that when they're an adult, they're ready for life. How to have relationships, how to work well with others, to be that fine example. And I can't think of any greater example than that of God the Father. So as we look in Scripture, I want us to bear something in mind. God the Father desired for his people to adhere to his rules, to adhere to his law, his statutes, his commands. And so the purpose for that was not in any way to come across as vengeful, angry, mean, malicious. No, it was to establish a standard of righteousness so that those who were following God would have the understanding of what was expected. Isn't that what we do as parents? Isn't that what we do as teachers, as aunts and uncles, as adults, when children come into our lives? Isn't that what we do is we let them know what we expect from them? Children learn from us. They mimic us. And oftentimes they learn more by watching than is ever said. I want to take us, if you will, uh, into the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8. And we're going to focus on verses 1 through 6. And I've touched on this passage of Scripture before, but I really have it in my heart to touch on it again. And hopefully, in so doing, we'll get a little bit more understanding. This idea of who God is should be so important to us that it compels us to want to press in. After all, isn't he the one who spoke creation into existence? Now listen to scripture as I read it. We're going to be again in Deuteronomy chapter 8, and we're going to go mainly through verses 1 through 6, but I want to give you a couple other sections of scripture that uh, help to support what I'm talking about here. So bear with me as I read this really quick, and I hope that this is a blessing for you. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do that ye may live, and multiply, and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness, to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou would keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. 
Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to fear him. Now this word fear, that phrase, is something that I think the church has lost. And you may say, well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? What, Dr. Fisher, what are you talking about? Uh, this fearing God, have, have we actually lost that? Are we supposed to be afraid of God? No, what this means, brothers and sisters, if you're listening, hear me on this. When it says to fear God, this is a holy reverence. Why is it a holy reverence? Well, God himself is holy. And we in and of ourselves, in this flesh, could not stand in the presence of holy God. Why? Because we are all underneath the penalty of sin. Now, I want to touch something else here. And I'm hoping, brothers and sisters, that this might shed a light on things for you. Have you ever wondered why there are trials and tribulations? Have you ever wondered why it is that we as individuals struggle? Have you ever wondered why we would be in such a state as to have to go through problems? Wouldn't it be much easier if God just said, here you go, follow along this path and you'll be fine? Well, he did in essence say that, but, but hear me on this. He did not say that you will have no troubles. You see, if you follow along the path of God, you will be fine. Why? Because God will never leave you, nor will he ever forsake you. But did you happen to notice something in scripture as I was reading it? And I want to take you to verse two. Now, now pay close attention to this. Lest you think that you have some divine right to not have trials and tribulations, that you are entitled to nothing but ease and smooth sailing, listen to verse 2 in Deuteronomy chapter 8. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. And now notice what comes next. He says, to humble thee and to prove thee. In other words, to test you, to try you, to temper you, to cause you to be made more in his image, to trust him. And notice why. It was not because God is some vengeful God. And this is something that we need to understand before I read this next part. Many Christians in our modern culture are fair weather. When things start to go wrong, people grumble. When a trial comes, they quickly give up their faith. They revert back to their old ways. Well, that's a heart condition, my friends. And here's how we know that. Listen to what the next words are of God. And to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no. You see, when it's like this. Whenever someone has a new job, they're tested. Whenever someone receives something, 
They're tested. Whenever something happens, you're tested. Well, what happens with that test? You pass or you fail. You learn from it. There's a saying that you'll never learn unless you make a mistake. And that's true. We should all learn from our mistakes. But did you happen to notice what he said here? To know what was in thine heart. If you've listened to me for any length of time, you know that God does not want some superficial conversion. He wants you to work out your salvation with fear and with trembling, that you'd be the same whether anyone is around or they're not. Now, why is that? Because that's the genuine article. Jesus died for our sins. The Bible says in Romans, that chapter 6, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, why would I bring that up? Because, my friends, if you have some superficial conversion where when things go good, you're saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Oh, look, I'm getting all this extra stuff. Bless, blessings are flowing my way. And you turn around and live like the devil as soon as no one's watching. Or... When something wrong happens or some trial comes your way, oh, why me, Lord? I've been a good boy. I've been a good girl. I'm doing everything the way I think I should do. And therein lies the rub. You're doing it the way you think. You're doing it the way you think it should be done. Instead, we need to change our perspective, brothers and sisters. Instead of grumbling, instead of complaining, instead of looking at the negative aspects when something bad happens and going, oh, why me? I don't deserve any of this. Oh, why is this always happening? Instead of having that kind of defeated humanist idea, why don't we stop and fall on our knees and say, Lord, I want to thank you for this trial. I don't understand it right now, but I want to thank you that you've counted me worthy of undergoing it because I know that with your help, I can. And I pray that going through this trial, you would see your reflection and I'd be made more like you. Lord, I just want to thank you for this opportunity to give you glory. I want to thank you for the privilege of being called out and that you are choosing to refine me. Now, that when you have an attitude like that, my friends, you have the right heart attitude. Instead of complaining when everything goes wrong, stop, listen, and say, Okay, Lord, I may be doing something wrong. I'm not aware of it. But because of this trial, you're going to make it known to me. And I know that you love me because your word says that you chasten those whom you love. And if this is something I have done wrong or I have caused, I ask that you would forgive me and help me to move on beyond this point. I ask that you would take and change me to be more in your image and that I would stop doing things that are displeasing. And you know, a lot of times the trials you go through are not necessarily for you. They're not necessarily because you did something wrong. They're not necessarily because you have transgressed the Almighty God. It is not necessarily because you have gone and done something so egregious that God has to 
correct you. But more than likely, is because you need to be strengthened. You need to be refined. Because God says, I want to use you and mold you. Remember, I am the potter and you are the clay. Now, my friends, you see, one of the things that came about with this trial of these 40 years of the children of Israel is that they developed such a strong testimony from the provision of God, the things in which he had provided them. Did you happen to notice what some of the things that he said that he provided? Did you happen to catch that? He provided for their food. He took care of their clothes. He took care of their health and well-being. Now, my friends, this is important. Because over these 40 years, remember, remember that the children of Israel were enslaved in a very pagan, carnal country. Egypt is often seen as a type of the world in Scripture. Why? Because that's what they were. They were paganistic. They were abusers of men. They worshipped many gods. There were a phrase that's called polytheistic. There were many gods that were accepted in their society. And dear friends, when the children of Israel were called out, they were called out that they may go and worship and sacrifice unto the one true God. How often do we forget that? We find it so much easier to want to keep one foot in the things of the world. When he has called us out that we may worship, that we may sacrifice, that we may praise, and we may serve the one true God. God the Father went back into Egypt for his children and called them out, used a man by the name of Moses. And my friends, the rest is history on that. But now let me take you back into scripture here. I want you to understand that the aspect of the Father right here is this. God the Father provided guidance. He provided direction. He provided safety. He provided provision. He provided teaching. He provided... He provided the guidelines for his children. He taught them from the establishment of the tabernacle. He chastised them when they built the golden calf. And my friends, notice notice he didn't exclude anything here, did he? He says, all the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. Now, dear friends, he gave them a direction. And how often do we as rebellious children refuse to heed the direction of those appointed over us? That's a dangerous, dangerous path for us to be on. God said, why? And as a good father, as a good parent, when we tell our children to do something, we must not be afraid to tell them why. It's not enough for us to say, because I told you so. If we use God the Father as an example here, 
he gave them a directive. He said, you're going to obey my commandments. You are going to observe all that I've told you to do. Why? That you may live. And so that you also may multiply. In other words, you're going to grow in number. So that you can go in and possess the land that I promised to your forefathers. And then, and then, beyond that broad statement, God makes it personal in verse 2. In the opening part of verse 2, he makes it so personal. And I want you to see that God is a personal God. He's not some distant deity that says, okay, I'm going to stand back and just let things play out. That's not at all what's going on. Notice what he says here. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee. Now, that, that's important. That's important because a leader displays, a leader guides, a leader provides the path. A leader provides and shows how to implement the plan. Isn't that good news today? That God the Father led the children of Israel. He didn't leave them to their own devices. No, he led them. Just like he will lead us today if we will submit ourselves unto him. Now, my friends, I have to conclude this message here in just a couple of minutes. But when I do, I want to invite you down to Christ Covenant Church. Our service times start at 10.30 on Sunday morning. We have a Karate for Jesus program and women's self-defense and a keto that we do to reach our community. But beyond that, would you consider maybe donating to this ministry to help keep it going? Would you be willing to come down and link arms with us, fellowship with us? We would love to get to know you and to work with you. We have a strong desire to reach those around us for the glory of God. The church is not just inside the four walls, my friends. There is a lost and dying world in desperate need of a Savior. And one of the things that we do at Christ Covenant Church is we have a saying. And that is that we'll always stay true north. And you may say, well, that's kind of an odd saying. Well... Let me try and explain it to you in just a couple brief minutes here. A compass uses magnetic north. But when you read a map, they're always done to true north. And then you have to do a thing called adjusting your azimuth so that you can read it and get in the right direction. But my friends, the reason we say true north is this. Magnetic poles change. Just like culture just like society, they change. And directions get messed up. They're not always clear. And you see, magnetic north can be affected by a lot of different things. But true north never deviates. True north is always in the same spot. True north remains on the path so when we say that we are going to remain true north, it's this. 
We will never deviate from the Word of God. We're not ashamed that we are Bible-believing Christians. We are not ashamed of the Word of God. We are not ashamed of the cross of Christ. We recognize that we are sinners saved by grace and that we are called by God to fulfill the Great Commission, and we desire to do so. Would you come help us do it? We're located at 1320 West Nolana Avenue in McAllen. You can find us at ChristCovenantMcAllen.org. You can find us on Facebook. We're at Christ Covenant McAllen. You can also find us on YouTube. If you want to Google some of our sermons, we're there, Christ Covenant McAllen. We're pretty simple to find. But won't you consider getting to know us? Come fellowship with us. We would love to link arms with you and walk the path that Christ has ordained for us to do. So in closing, I want to just ask you one simple question. Where are you in your walk with Christ? Is he first and foremost, or is he an afterthought? I sure hope and pray that he is first and foremost in all that you do. Well, my friends, I sure hope to see you soon. God bless you, and we look forward to meeting you. God bless. Bye-bye.